Welcome back to the Talk Podcast with me, Jay Deakin. So, welcome back to the podcast. I uh, hope everyone's having a good week. This week, I'd like to welcome Richard Gilmore to the show, who is someone I've recently got to know, who also suffers with OCD like myself. Uh, Richard does some great work to raise awareness uh, with his blogs and sharing his personal experiences on social media. So, yeah, w- welcome to the show, mate. Hello. Good to see you. Good to have you on. Thanks. Yeah, we we spoke um, a couple of days ago, didn't we, for a couple, almost a couple of hours. Um, yeah. It was supposed to be about OCD, but I think we spent about an hour and 45 minutes talking about football, didn't we, pretty much? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a good conversation, mate. It's good to get to know someone else who who has OCD because there's not like, you know, a lot of us about, so it's good to speak up, so it's good to know someone else. Yeah, certainly not a lot of people who talk about it openly, I would say. Yeah, uh, that's it, mate. Um, so before we get into OCD and stuff, like, how have you been during the COVID-19, like the lockdown and stuff? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, we're, I'm based on the Isle of Man, as you know, um, so it's, I suppose it's been slightly different to the UK, but, you know, it did hit us, you know, comparatively just as bad to start with, but we had the advantage of closing the border, so um, we're pretty much in the clear, so to speak. I mean, we've still got a little way to go, but, um, you know, we're we're sort of recording very low numbers at the moment so things are easing what is the population of the isle of man is it eighty thousand? is it yeah it's just over yeah yeah well that's good i mean we have the same type of restrictions here um as compared to the uk so a lot of us were isolating we had to do two our family had to do two separate two-week isolation periods without being able to go out and stuff. But I'm not going to lie, it was quite nice um, bossing my parents around and um, bringing yeah. me shopping. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Roles reversed. <laughs> no, no, it, it was really... It, I think, you know, it's been nice in a way that it's brought families together. Um, and even though you're, you, we've been apart, if that makes sense, like... Um, I think everyone started to appreciate what's important a bit more. Yeah, definitely, mate. Um, I say it's, it can be a positive, can't it? You know, it's just yeah. the, the way you look at it, sort of thing. Um, hopefully, it'll bring a lot, a lot of people closer together now, like the communities and stuff. I think so, and you know, obviously, it's been a very strange year, like pretty much. Well, the whole of 2020, hasn't it? Um, yeah. So, and, and it's made people think about a lot of different things, not just during COVID-19, but with um, all the anti-racism campaigns going on and, um, and lots of different issues, really. So I think it could be, even though it feels quite negative at the moment, I'm hoping it's going to be quite a positive Bit of a revolution, sort of. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, you know, hopefully good good 
some good can come from this, mate. Um, so yeah, just just tell tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do, what um, you know, how you raise your awareness, and basically how, how did it, you know, your OCD journey start? I'll start with the the journey then. Well, I'm 32 now, even though I still get ID'd at Tesco. Um, <laughs> Not a feeling, mate. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I was probably about 16, but I, obviously I didn't know what it was back then. Yeah. So the first main obsession when I look back, and perhaps there was someone I was a bit younger, but I can't really remember, was um, I had a an obsession about testicular cancer after there was a talk in school yeah. about, um, you know, men checking their bits, shall we say. <laughs> um, and I just couldn't shake that feeling. And I, went, I kept going to doctor after doctor after doctor. I kept checking online for symptoms and it just, just nothing would shake it. And, and, and when you don't know it's OCD as well, yeah, you just you keep thinking it's got to be something. There must be something wrong. There must be something wrong. And I remember we went on holiday to Crete during the Olymp. When was the Olympics there? It would have been two thousand and four. Yeah, and was it? Yeah, and so and there was yeah because I remember there was a few Olympic teams, basketball teams staying in the hotel, and yeah, I spent like a lot of pretty much all the time of that holiday thinking about testicular cancer so it was a bit of a bit of a crap holiday and it just takes you away from the present moment constantly um so i was really struggling back then and i don't remember how i got over that one um i don't know whether it moved on it's all quite hazy back then because it was it was sort of interlinked with a lot of um, depression at the time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, a lot of, I was reading an article the other day that was saying, what comes first, depression and then OCD, or OCD then depression. Mm. Uh, for me, I, it was probably OCD then depression. Yeah. So that makes it a whole lot worse. Um, yeah, so without trying to go on too much, um, when I was when I was twenty, I went to stay in Kenya for a few years, um, doing some. Well, I was supposed to go for a month, and I ended up staying on and off for about three three and a half years. Yeah. Um, before I went to Kenya, I got an obsession about um, dying in a plane crash, like a very specific plane plane model. And um, as I was saying the other, the other day, I was, I was researching the mechanics of the plane. I was contacting pilots for reassurance. Wow. I did, um, I went to a hypnotherapist, which I'm pretty sure was about 95 quid, biggest waste <laughs> of money ever, um, for a fear of flying. But the, the irony was that actually before, I, I dropped out of my first degree which was aircraft engineering. <laughs> you know, I love planes and yeah. I've always loved flying. I love airports. So I, I couldn't understand why am I getting scared of dying in this plane crash when I actually like flying? <laughs> yes. Um, so I thought, well, maybe I've just developed a fear of flying overnight. But then it didn't make sense to me because 
it was only one specific model of claim that my brain linked onto. Any yeah. other type of model was fine with. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, moving on quickly. In my early twenties, I got a very bad obsession around blood contamination, um, and in particular HIV, and that wasn't just exclusive. And, and I, I know um, HIV is slightly more prevalent in Kenya than it would be in the UK, but it makes no difference to my OCD. I get it just as bad in the Isle of Man as I get it in the UK, as I would get it in Kenya. Even if you put me on Mars with a load of aliens, I would still have HIV <laughs> as an obsession. So that one was quite bad for a while, um, very bad. And then another major obsession was the day before our wedding, um, I randomly opened the Bible um, to, I, I guess I was looking for some sort of confidence builder <laughs> before, before the wedding. And uh, it came up with this, the unpardonable sin passage. And, and then I had that one for about eight years. Are you still, still got that now or did you leave that one? I get it every now and again, but, and I get the HIV one every now and again. Um, and sometimes I'll get, I've had lots of random obsessions that can last from anything from a week to a month in between. That, that's what OCD does, doesn't it, mate? It, it's like a bully. It just, it, it can pick up on your weaknesses and sort of, it latches on, doesn't it, to a certain topic or um, subject or something. And once you're fixated on that, it's very hard to, like, get rid of in it yeah exactly and, and I think it's important for people to realize that OCD can latch onto anything you know um, I've heard people have obsessions about the most like seemingly ridiculous things like I've read about people having obsessions with tomatoes ketchup for example like or I mean I had one that I was afraid of saying the wrong name at my wedding. And that lasted for about three months. Yeah. No, probably more actually. I, I didn't even have a particular name in my head that I was going to get wrong. It was just, what if I randomly blurt out some random woman's name instead of my own wife's? <laughs> my yeah. own wife, not wife's, I'm not a poly polygamist, but my wife. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, my compulsions would be to ask for reassurance, um and i would even in the mirror i would say i take the and then say you know my wife's name judy yeah <laughs> over and over and over again to prove myself that i couldn't i wouldn't make that mistake because i knew if if i made that mistake the consequences would be oh everyone would you know boo me at the wedding the wedding the marriage would be off i'd be all alone um you could be go big picture up don't you mate like uh you know you make up this big event that's something that's going to happen which it's not you know it's very it's very 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 small chance it would happen but to you it's real isn't it you think that because you believe it that much you think about it that much you think like what the hell is going to happen this yeah and it's it's sort of known as catastrophizing isn't it and OCD yeah, does that all the time you know, it picks up one really small 
you know, one in a million chance of something um, and goes all the way to the end where you end up on the front page of newspapers and you're in prison yeah. and, you know, all from something ridiculous. I could be sure, I don't know, moving that pen to a certain position on the table and because you've done yeah. it that way and that's it. All these things going to happen just because you've done that. But yeah, exactly. Doesn't make sense, does it? But so was it. It does make sense, sort of. Yeah, there's there's often a lot of magical thinking tied in with OCD. Hence why some people have like, I need to tap the table seven times to stop my grandma from dying or something like that. You know, on the outside it's like, well, what are you on about? Where's the connection there? But when when it's locked in your brain, you think, well, I'll just do that because. I mean, what harm could come of it? It's I'm tapping the table seven times. If if there is that remote possibility of a link between that and my grandma's death, I'm going to do it. Yeah, it's I've had that quite a bit, and also like I always like I have to touch certain parts. Like say I'll be sat there and I have to like touch my back like six times and then do it on the other side. Just if I don't, I can't. I can't settle. I can't sit there and watch TV or read my book. I have to keep doing that until it feels right. Like, do you ever get anything like that? Yeah, I remember when I was growing up, I, I used to, it's difficult to explain this, but I used to like do a, like a drum beat on my body or on a table or something like that. And it, it would be, I'd hit one on the left, two on the right, and then go back to the left. And anyway, the point is, if I didn't, I had to keep doing this drum beat on, yeah. on, on the table or on my body until my brain went, yep, that's enough of the drum beat now. And sometimes I'd be there for ages doing this ridiculous drum beat. And, and it's like, no, nope, that doesn't feel right, go again. Doesn't feel right, go again. And then, and then I'd, finally my brain would be like, yeah, that's fine. It, <laughs> I don't it, even know why I did it. It's... <laughs> It just doesn't make sense, mate, does it? And do you do you um I was talking about this last night to someone. Do you do you like talk to yourself like say your name when you you've got these thoughts in your head and stuff? Like do you sort of say, Oh Richard, like do this now or why have you done this? Like do you ever like sort of I don't know, you know, how do the thoughts speak to you, sort of thing, is what I'm basically trying to say. Because um, I never thought about it myself until I got asked last night how, you know, do I say J to myself or do I call myself, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe a swear word. Um, you, just, you mean like how you sort of communicate to the thoughts? Yeah, sort of like J, if you don't do that seven times, right? Or, or is it? If you don't do that seven times, like how does your you sort of does it say Richard? If you don't do that eight times, someone's gonna die, or is it? Do you know what I mean? How does how does that thought come through your head? Have you ever thought about that? No, no, I don't think so. Um, so I have an interesting. I do. I suppose like I'm I'm quite interested in um, mindfulness, and in my early twenties, I used to read a lot of books. Things like um, Eckhart Tolle's yeah. Power of Now, no, no. Um, which is a really good book. And even though it has nothing 
to, to say on the concept of OCD, it's actually one of my favorite OCD books, if that makes sense, because yeah. it is so powerful in terms of giving you the right philosophy to approach OCD and um, that thoughts and even, even going down to, you know, if you have body dysmorphia or something like that, you know, you are not your thoughts, you are not your body, you are not your possessions, you are not your titles, your name, your career. Um, that, that, for me, that is a philosophy I try to live by. Um, don't always succeed, but um, so I kind of just see the, the thoughts as passing clouds. Um, yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't necessarily link it so much like that but they are so powerful sometimes that obviously I give into it. Um, it's more, it, for me, it feels more like a, a desperate urge, like a desperate, you know, a must, you must do this. Otherwise something terrible could happen. You know, do you find when you're more stressed out or something's going on in your life, that's when yours gets worse. Cause that, that's how it, it is for me. You know, if something triggers it, I'm having a bad day or something's happened and you know mine goes goes into overdrive. So how is it for you? Hundred percent, yeah, that's the same for me. Stress and tiredness. Um I mean stress stress not as much. It's the tiredness for me. Like if if I'm tired, my brain feels a bit groggy, the thoughts are like ten times more likely to stick. So I have to constantly base my life around trying not to be tired which is very difficult when you know you're working full-time you've got two young kids and um, you might be studying and you know i like exercise um even though i've probably put on about three kilograms during this lockdown but, you know, <laughs> yeah um, it's uh i can't stop eating at the moment <laughs> <laughs> My son baked me a cake last night and I ate like about a third of it in one go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't help myself. <laughs> so would you say um, exercise is um, a good thing to help you with your OCD to maybe you know keep it a little bit more calm sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, everyone's different, but I put exercise up at the same sort of efficacy level as the medication I would take. So, um, and I know it's very difficult for some people who with exercise, especially if you have other issues such as depression or even eating disorders or something like that, that might be mixed in with OCD. So it's a very, it's easy for me to do exercise because it's never targeted that. Um, yeah. Well, saying that, I suppose, um, as I mentioned the other day, when I used to play basketball when I was a teenager, I think OCD definitely gripped that and ruined it for me. But nowadays, um, even though I'm, I am a bit of a perfectionist, you know, if I'm weightlifting or, or whatever I'm doing, um, I, like I meticulously record my um food intake on my fitness pal but I, but I actually quite enjoy that so I, I don't see it as being anything to do with OCD 
Um, but yeah, definitely exercise has been a massive thing for me. So that's your one of your coping techniques. Yeah, I think I think it can be. Uh, <clears throat> I know for myself, with exercise, though, I I get I'm obsessed with it, mate. I I overtrain it, you know. Um, so it can be the one extreme to the other sort of thing, can't it? You know, with OCD, you know, it you can yeah. avoid things, or you can be obsessed with, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's that all or nothing thinking, which is often one of the core beliefs that underlies OCD, isn't it? Um, I, I mean, I, I can be guilty of that as well. You know, it's, you know, just doing good enough is very difficult for a lot of people with OCD. So when it comes to exercise, like at the moment, I'm doing um, T25, which is like a variant of insanity. Um, and you're supposed to do like six workouts a week. They're about 25 minutes each. But with work, kids, and everything else on top of it, um, and my cake eating, eating habits, you know, it's quite difficult to keep up with that every day. Because I mean, when do I do it? I, it's, I can't really do it in the working day, obviously. And then in the evening, it's getting the kids ready. Um, and then by the time every, the kids are settling, so it's like eight o'clock. It's quite hard to to do it every day. So I've been doing it instead of six days a week, maybe four days a week. But then my brain will be like, you're not doing it properly. You're not doing it good enough. Why are you not doing the six days? You're not going to get, you know, those ripped abs if you, if you yeah. do uh, only four days, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then I'll have another slice of cake. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bully, mate, OCD. And, um, so what, what would you say, like, how would you describe it? Say, you know, a lot of people use it in the wrong context, don't they? They say, oh, I'm a little bit OCD. I'm, you know, they use it as like an objective. So how, what would you say to someone who said that? Like, how would you try and change their perception of what OCD is to put you on the spot? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've, you've said it. It's If you're using it as an adjective, in my opinion, you're using it incorrectly. I mean, technically, there is no such thing as saying, as describing a behavior as OCD, because OCD can manifest in all different types of behaviors. And this is part of the problem as to why people aren't seeking treatment, because they think OCD is synonymous with certain behaviors, which when it isn't. So it's actually, for me, OCD isn't about the behaviors you do. You could, for example, you could take two behaviors couldn't you you could take people who like to order their books alphabetically and then and then another person who likes to order their books alphabetically one might have ocd one might not but it's not because they're ordering the books it's about the the mechanisms in the brain and the reasoning as to why you're ordering those books if you're ordering those books because you have a preference for order and you enjoy um sort of symmetry or you know you just like things being organized that's not ocd but if, you, if you're ordering those books because it might link to some terrible disaster that could happen yeah. or you feel if you don't do it you know you might not be able to find something which might result in the death of someone in your family or something ridiculous you know that is leaning toward ocd then but the behavior itself can't be labeled as ocd if that makes sense that's yeah. my view on it anyway so it's a very uh, hard thing to 
to change people's mindset and obviously the more we speak about it and do stuff like what me and you are doing now and doing blogs and whatever else videos that'll hopefully change the perception but I feel like it's a big it's a big battle to be honest it is and um, you know a lot of people in the OCD community talk about you know we're, we're all kind of part of a, a bit of an echo chamber where it's sort of speaking to the you know we're almost preaching to the converted a lot of the time um, and it is quite difficult to break into other groups yeah. who wouldn't know what OCD was which is fine I mean it, there's still a lot of people with OCD or may suspect they have OCD that get a lot of benefit from the awareness raising but in terms of that stigma side I think we've got a long long way to go because it's still very prevalent it you it's you know I've always felt very embarrassed and ashamed of having OCD until two years ago when I first did a, a video um and I know that it you know reached to some people but I always felt like because you can't see it no one's really really asked you know it, it you don't think anything's up with you because you just look like a you know normal sort of person don't you You'd, oh he's not nothing up with him but they don't know what's going on inside our head do they yeah and that's that's part of the problem isn't it um it's so difficult to, to explain what OCD I think with things like anxiety and depression yeah I, I agree that you know you you can't know what it's like unless you've had it but at least you can explain you, you can sort of empathize easier with for those who haven't had depression and anxiety because they will have had times when they have felt extremely low or extremely nervous so it's kind of easier to explain but with OCD it's such a complex thought process behind it and the feeling it brings it's so so difficult to and it's constant as well it, it, this, yeah. doesn't, this doesn't come and go this is you know it's, all, it's always there isn't it yeah exactly um, I mean saying that like nowadays I mean I've I probably sought treatment when I was about 24 three or something like that um and i've been working really hard for that for the past nine years with a lot of ups and downs and, and i say i've got to the point now where 80 percent of the time i'm 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 okay you know like um i still get i'll still get the odd little spike so to speak and then i'll use certain techniques and be able to move along but that, that other 20 percent of the time Usually when I'm tired, something will grip me yeah. and then I'll have to put in a lot more effort to try and drag myself back out of that OCD hole. So what would you, you know, you know, someone might be listening to this now who's actually not, you know, seek help yet. Um, or they, you know, they're not recognised that they've got OCD and they might listen to this now and think, you know, I, I can um, relate to some of what, Richard and Jade on about what would your advice be to them like what were the first steps would you say to, to do it's a, it's a difficult one I'm trying to think back to when I first realized I think I was probably just searching on the web and I came across the Stephen Phillips and articles and then I bought a, I don't know if you've read his 
his, his stuff, like thinking the unthinkable. Um, he, he coined the phrase puro, puro yeah. CD, which some people like, some people don't. Um, so I think, you know, getting that, reading books was my first step. And then finally, that, that was, it, it was so cathartic to read books about what I'd been going through for so many years and, and I didn't know what it was. So, you know, I read The Doubting Disease, um, which is about um, religious scrupulosity. I bought Brain Lock by Jeffrey Schwartz, read that. And it was um, that in itself just to know what it was and I wasn't going mad, it was just a disorder. Yeah, it was an amazing first step for me. And, and then obviously you have to try and then go and look for some professional support, which can be difficult, unfortunately. So it's a relief, isn't it, when you realize, well, I'm not on my own here. Yeah, I mean, you, you get, I mean, you, there's the ongoing debates all the time about the um, usefulness of diagnostic criteria and you know why do you have to label somebody with this or that but I and again going back to the power of now I, I don't define myself as having OCD you know I, I am a person with OCD um, but having that label was like a lifesaver for me really because then at least I knew what I needed to do to try and get better even if it was going to affect probably the rest of my life yeah um it's a long journey to get better that that for most people anyway it's you know it probably always going to be there it's just how you you manage it isn't it um and also yeah, anyone... yeah go on mate no i was just gonna say i mean i wrote about it in my last post um uh, about the, the sort of steps that you need to take the first one is accepting that you have it and that can be very difficult. Yeah. You know, we all, we've all been there. We're like, oh, why me? Why do I deserve this? Why, why can't it just go away? You know, the, the, that is understandable, but you need to, you need to like accept this is something you have to deal with. Um, and that, that's the first step you need to take. It can lead to, um, I think people with OCD, I, might, I think we touched on this today, is higher like, risk of also suicide as well. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, that's probably caused by multiple factors. I mean, people with OCD quite commonly have depression. Yeah. Um, because of the thoughts. If it's left untreated, it can quite quickly spiral. Um, I mean, Howard Hughes, um, the former richest person in America, he was a, an example of that. He ended up living in his bed surrounded by sort of, well, he essentially like wrapped himself up from the world and people had to deliver him tins of food with a like a specific procedure and he was urinating in bottles and storing them and you know it, it can get out of hand yeah um, i've read about people who end up eating soil I've, I've read about people who with sensory motor ocd where they keep touching their eyes where they've actually sort of become, gone blind you know because it get it can get so bad um that it can actually cause such significant harm and distress that people will and do unfortunately end up committing suicide. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I, was, I don't know the figures for, you know, 
you know how many people have sort of thing but i've just i read about it and we spoke about it so it and i can really understand why you know it at times it's very very difficult um, well i think there was a study i don't know if it was in sweden that found ocd people or uh, clients were 10 times more likely to attempt or commit suicide yeah so it's it is quite a significant yeah, because you can, you know, I've had it myself where I, I can fixate on that topic for, you know, a week or two, and that's all I think about. Um, what, suicide? Yeah, and then it can, then it'll just go, you know, I'll, I'll be all right. It's it's very, uh, it's very tough. No, I've, I've been there, I've been there. It can, when OCD gets so bad, and this is the like insidious nature of it. You you can be worried about harm coming to yourself and others so much that paradoxically you just don't want to go on anymore. Yeah. Um, which doesn't actually make any sense, and that's why it's so damaging. Um, and I, I remember when when I had both the unpardonable sin obsession and the HIV obsession I remember getting so it became so bad like I, I'm not I'm not scared of any particular disease this, this is the thing you know everyone gets sick we're all gonna die at some point yeah you know so like when I had testicular cancer I was only bothered about that I wasn't bothered about any other cancer not that I wouldn't be sad if I got it or some one of my loved ones did but it fixates on just one specific thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but I got, I got to the point where I was just like, you know what, please just, just give me this bloody virus now and then I don't have to obsess about it and I'll deal yeah. with it. Or, or it got to the point where I was like, I just, want, I just can't, I don't want to go on any longer. But then I felt like I didn't even have that option because that might mean I'd committed the unpardonable sin. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I felt like I had no way out. It's, uh, it's very, very tough, mate. Um, so, yeah, like, what? where can people find you on Twitter and also where can they find your blogs? Um, my Twitter handle is at OCD Philosophy. Yeah. And the blog is at the, unser uh, the I forget my own blog title now. <laughs> TheCertainUncertainty.com. Right, so it, I'll, what I'll do is I can link that into the description, episode description. Um, obviously, I'll tag you in it on Twitter um, and people, you know, follow you, read your stuff, they might, you know, find it useful. Um, so, yeah, be before we go, mate, before I wrap things up, just a couple of little uh, on-the-spot questions. Um, What's something you're not very good at? Um, ironically, organization um, <laughs> in terms of like um, filing and stuff like that. I'm so bad at it. Like it, it's, I, I bought a filing system box like two years ago and I still haven't bothered. And every time it's like, oh, where's my birth certificate? I don't know. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Um, yeah, that I definitely need to improve on. Um, yeah, so you know, people wouldn't expect that from OCD, would they? 
Uh, and last one, obviously you've already mentioned a few, but what's one book that you'd recommend to uh, the listeners? For OCD? Yeah, any book, yeah. What's your favourite book that you found most useful? Uh, I really like um, Unpeople by Mark Curtis. That's about um, Britain's involved in Britain's involvement in human rights abuses that's a really good book very underrated i like um the last hours of ancient sunlight by tom hartman that's about like sustainability and the environment but it's also a bit of a spiritual book obviously yeah. the power of now as i mentioned with ocd i like um jonathan grayson's um freedom from obsessive compulsive disorder that's a really good all-around book and for those who've I'd say this is more for people who've probably been through um, some sort of therapy and they're looking to maintain OCD progress, the Everyday Mindfulness for OCD book um, is, is really good. I'll, um, if you send them to us, mate, and I can just put them in the description and you know people can have a, have a look at them if they, if they want. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for coming on today. and. Um, you know, sharing your experiences, mate. Um, really appreciate it, and I, I think, you know, some people are definitely going to benefit from listening to you. Well, hope so. I don't. I haven't prepared anything, so I've probably gone off on tangents a few times. But no, it's, that's great, mate. You, you know, you've done really well. Um, so yeah, thank thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me.